Welcome to Whitetail 46. Brought to you by Monster Meal Wildlife Feed and Attractants. Animal attraction, premium nutrition, superior results. Hello everybody and welcome to Whitetail 46. Brought to you by Monster Meal Feed and Attractants. My name is Blake Davis. I'm the alternate brand manager for Tennessee Farmers Cooperative. We make Monster Meal Attractants and, and wildlife feed and supplements. We're here today to launch a concept that we came up with over a year ago called Whitetail 46. And it's really derived from the fact that there's 46 states where you can legally tag a whitetail deer. That means there's no less than 46 stories about hunting whitetail deer. But as we dig into this, we find that everybody has a story. Everybody has a unique story. And within different cities, towns, urban environments, country environments, um, swamps, mountains, fields, ridges, ag, big timber. There's so many aspects of whitetail deer hunting that come to light that are an individual's experience. Uh, none of them are right or none of them are wrong. The one thing is, is that they really congeal us as hunters. If you meet another hunter anywhere you go, a wedding, uh, a, a, in the airport, at a sporting event for your kids, and you find out that that person is a hunter, it's pretty likely that you've whitetail hunted and that's kind of when people describe hunting the whitetail deer is that animal that for the vast majority of the united states is the animal that creates that hunt and whitetail 46 is the story of those hunts you know we may tell some stories about a big deer and how a big deer was killed and we may talk about different products periodically in a in a the least commercial way we can uh, it's almost impossible to talk about them without being commercial. Uh, but the idea here is to create a venue where people can tell their story about their hunt and what hunting is like, where they hunt, and how do they hunt, and what does it mean to them. Um, today we're here at Midwest Antler Company in Corning, Iowa. It's owned by Chad Johnson and his family. It's been around about 15 years. It's a really neat place. Corning, Iowa happens to be the birthplace of Johnny Carson. Uh, it's a very small town, 900 people roughly. And it's kind of sandwiched halfway between Omaha and Des Moines. It's kind of, you know, when you talk about flyover country, this is flyover country. It's, you know, corn and beef cattle and animals. And, and it's a really neat area uh, in an iconic state for whitetails in Iowa. Um, there's been a whole lot said about Iowa whitetail hunting. We're not really going to dig into that today. There's going to be a lot more podcasts because uh, we're here with two Iowans, Brian Smith and Quentin Sturm from Above the Game, which is a digital platform. Check them out at Above the Game TV. Uh, they tell stories about deer hunting and, and cue information and, and share their experiences very well. They're a great platform uh, available digital, social media, everything there. Great guys. Brian handles my marketing, my, especially my social media and digital stuff. Uh, we met a few years ago at another brand, and we just really kind of clicked. And, you know, the opportunity story is what we're trying to create here. Uh, and last year, one of the outfitters that's been feeding uh, Monster Meal for a couple of years that actually came to me through Brian uh, Kansas Farmland Outfitters, uh, Stephen Hall. He is He's a great guy. He's been, you, if you follow Monster Meal on our Facebook page, 40, Whitetail 46, um, on anything, you're going to wind up seeing Stephen's face. 
Stephen offered two hunts and trade for, um, you know, information, feed, the whole thing that I wasn't able to go on. And, and before we get into stereotypes about uh, the reason more to meet with Stephen is to go meet with Stephen for me as, as Monster Meal so that we can get some data validated with what he does because he has an obligation to his deer and, and to his clients to get them in front of deer. And Kansas is a full feed and bait state, so I can run the gamut with all my products. Um, it is not a trade-off just to get free hunts on giant Kansas whitetails. Um, in fact, when he presented, hey, we've got a couple rifle spots, um, would you be interested? I, my reply had to be, I'd be very interested, but I don't have the time. I, I can't fit it in my schedule. I was relatively new at the job. So uh, he really wanted to do something with those spots that he had open. And he just pitched me the idea, hey, do you know any uh, prior service veterans or uh, or active duty military members that might be interested in that hunt? And I think the obvious answer to that is most of us probably know someone who would be very interested in, in, a, in a Kansas whitetail hunt, because especially one at the level of quality of the operation that Stephen runs. Um, so I've been involved with some generated through the National Wild Turkey Federation Wounded Warrior Hunts. I live about an hour and a half south of a warrior transition unit for the East Coast. And a bunch of years ago, I met a gentleman, retired Master Sergeant Del Rodriguez. He's become a great friend of mine. We met on a turkey hunt um, and he was in the process of retiring at the time and really uh, you know the the function of this story is really we're going to talk about two guys who have given their lives to service to do something a choice that they made and when i think of that you know we all think about oh they could die they could get you know injured maimed they're away from their families there's there there is all that and not discounting that at all but in 46, 46 is a story of whitetail deer hunting. How does that tie in? Uh, Master, retired Master Sergeant Del Rodriguez, um, current active duty Chief Warrant 4 Ben Cuevas. He is an Apache attack helicopter pilot. He, you know, these guys are warriors in the truest sense, you know, whether they be retired or active duty. Um, they've they've been engaged with the current military engagements for uh, as long as they've really been in existence. Uh, Dell has since retired. Uh, they have great stories. But what struck me when I first met Dell is Dell really was looking for an opportunity, not for an opportunity, but to reconnect with something that he had an attachment to when he was young. And as this 46 concept got going, we want to talk about stories. I just started... You know, Dell is a personal friend of mine. We hunt together every year. We have for eight or nine years. Um, and, you know, I wanted to give him the opportunity because I knew he would want to go on a Kansas whitetail hunt, first and foremost. And the reason I wanted to give it to a person like Dell, even though this story is going to be about Dell, and you can see the hunt opportunities if you go to Above the Game. We're not a video-supported uh, podcast, and we're not going to do it that way. This is going to be a podcast about what 46 is. Um, but you can go to Above the Game and you actually see the deer that they kill in, in their Kansas farmland outfitters. I will warn you, 
we kind of struggled a little bit, you know, professionally. I want to keep my marketing very clean, but with Above the Game, it's a little more digital, but it is re it is a very real thing in that Dell, Dell gets very excited. Um, ben is the exact opposite. He is as cool as a cucumber, thank God, because he keeps that helicopter in the air and does some amazing things with that. Um, but when Dell gets excited, it's, it's pretty real. He is a, an ex-military guy. And there may be some language that's not suitable for youngsters. Um, I just wanted to warn everybody about that. It's not vulgar. It is just kind of conversational cussing, if you will. And I love that about Della when he gets excited. The filter kind of comes off a little bit. Um, but to see that level of excitement for a guy who's done what he's done for 23 years, um, it, he, you know, it showed me that he was actually reaching out and re-engaging the passion that he had for hunting. Um, so that is the, when we tell this story here, and I'm going to get to Quentin and Brian, because they were actually physically on the hunt. I flew in to meet the guys, make sure that the introductions got met, say congratulations. I had to fly out immediately after that uh, due to work commitments, so I couldn't stay there for the week. But Brian and Quentin were both there. They actually sat in tree stands with these guys. The two hunts went very differently. <laughs> one was kind of extended. One was almost instantaneous. Um, but it's a great story of two guys who were hunting and using their connection to hunting to reconnect with themselves. And the underlying story here that I want everybody to think about because it really just, and it's, this is a personal thing and, and it, it may be wrong with me, I'm, I don't care. Um, it really affected me that for over 20 years, th I had to think about if, if I just voluntarily walked away for hunt, from hunting for 20 years. Um, thank God that I never had to do that for any reason, whether it was a health issue, a uh, uh, a volunteerism issue or anything else. I think most hunters, if you said, listen, is there anything you would do to voluntarily walk away from 20 years of your hunting career? Uh, most of us would look at you like you had six heads and probably punch you square between the lookers. Heck no, I wouldn't do that. But both of these gentlemen, um, you know, take nothing away from any other aspect of their service. I want hunters to think about the 20 year, 23 years that Dell had to put his hunting on a back burner. He got a little bit in here and there when he could, when he was back stateside and not deployed, but he couldn't engage it with a passion that we get, we're afforded to do that. And, you know, we've all seen warrior hunts, wounded warrior hunts, retired warrior hunts, everything like that. But this hunt is about two guys who really reconnect with their hunting roots. So before we, we kind of switch it over, um, I'm, I'm going to let Quentin start. Quentin really sat most of the time in the tree with retired Master Sergeant Del Rodriguez. Um, they did not, they had never met each other before they stepped foot together. Um, Quentin, as you look back on that story of that hunt, um, when you were headed to the hunt, you drove down with Brian, what, were, what was going through your head? What were your expectations about a hunt? the hunt and the type of people that they were and, and what to expect um, when you first started out. And Brian, after he's done, I want the same thing, you know, from you.
it's okay to say I don't know. I, I honestly, I I had no. Do you, now, these are two professional video guys, so they've videoed some of the biggest names in the industry, been in the same trees with them, um, been on camera themselves, thing like that. And that's a perfectly acceptable answer. And this is an off-the-cuff podcast, so you know it's not like we scripted and talked about everything we were going to talk about. Um, sometimes unless you find yourself in a situation where you're in a car driving somewhere where you're not really sure what you're going to go, what to expect, or what to do, and... You, you you don't want to box it in or you don't even want to think about it. So you just say, okay, I'm going to show up. I'm going to video a guy. And that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, Brian, you and I had a little more planning into this mm-hmm. because my, Stephen came to me through you. You've had a few years with Stephen. Yeah. Um, you know, you've shared booth space at, at consumer shows when you started APG. You yeah. So, um, what what was going through your head when I first called you and said, "Hey, you know, what do you think of this idea? This is what Stephen and I came up with. Can you be down there to to make sure that you capture this?" Uh, well, first off, I want to make sure it didn't overlap because I had another friend coming into Iowa camp. That was another part of the story. So I put pressure on myself to make sure that uh, my friend Dustin tagged out so that we could be there in time. And it was a God thing. Like this deer that hadn't been there forever showed up. He shot it. And I was able to leave in time to be down there for the introductions and everything. So everything worked out really well there. Uh, my expectations, I've been blessed. I've been involved in a couple other veteran organizations. So I kind of, I've, I've had a little bit of experience in this. And so I kind of knew what to expect, but not, uh, I didn't, I've never been around guys that have, have given as much as like what Dell and, and Ben have in particular. You know, pretty rare situations very like their stories are, are crazy like it's awesome being in camp with them and, and hearing their stories but like as far as what I expected uh, I would have to say that oh I, I mean I kind of knew what what we we're in for but I knew the environment we were going to so I was fairly comfortable there because I knew the experience they'd have and with Blake being there and Quentin coming to film uh, Dell, I just knew it was going to be a, a good situation for for anybody who was going to be the recipient of the hunt. And and that's, I guess, anytime you do, you go into uncharted waters. This this was not a scripted, organized event to where it was part of an a, a transition organization who had rules and structure and and kind of. Uh, vetted no, their clients or anything literally my only goal going into this was guys i don't want you to think anything about other than you're you get to go on a deer hunt make it a deer hunt go have the hunt that you want the hunt to be don't be thinking about whether there was any expectations because quite honestly the only expectations i had is that it would show up and, and and hunt deer and i think that's important because in a lot of cases uh, the only points of attachment that these guys that retire or are transitioning out of full-time service have is through an organized platform. So there's a step and a structure and, okay, this is what is going to happen. And military guys, especially guys like these guys, um, I'll go into that in just a second, the, the, the level of character here, not that anybody who gives their time to the level is not worthy or does not exhibit character. But uh, 
for these guys, they lived a very rigid, scripted life with expectations, and every every step had a purpose in their life. And when they they get out, and I really found this with some of our turkey hunts, was when we when we hosted them through other organizations. What happened was there was expectations that had to be met. We had to check the boxes. We had to do everything. And sometimes the participants got to the point where, uh, listen, they really just wanted to go on a turkey hunt. They yeah, didn't care. They paraded around. There's yeah. a lot of that at those hunts. <laughs> um, and they're very private individuals. Both of them are very private individuals. Most uh, service veterans are very private about the fact they're very proud, proud of what they did. Um, but Dell did 13 deployments in three three combat tours in, in his thing in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. That is a lot yeah, of a way Yeah, he's a silver star, brown star. Right? He yeah, he, he is an extremely, you know, commendations of valor, extremely decorated combat, like actual door-kicking infantry guy, um, was put in some terrible, terrible situations. Ben, on the flip side, who actually served in exa- at exactly the same time as a support mechanism, Ben flies one of the most devastating attack helicopters in the U.S. military. He holds in his hand the ability to cause a great deal of destruction in a short amount of time to protect U.S. military interests and assets in the field. And they apply that with an unbelievable amount of discipline. But from those actions, there's also, you know, the no one comes out of that relatively unscathed um, and what I realized when I started to do the turkey hunts that I did the muzzleloader deer hunts that I did the bow hunts that I would take guys on is that really one of the most important things is have a safe environment where they can just go out and engage in the activity without any cross-reference thought or expectations by this one or that one or do I have to fill out a an exit form and you know did you have a good time were you taken well care of is there anything we can improve kind of thing just listen i just want to show up and hunt and that was what i really wanted to create for these guys especially because steve uh, you know these are not 1500 hunts you're going to premium ground in in central kansas with a guy who genuinely cares that all of his hunters have a great experience and steve puts people on some phenomenal big deer i mean go to kansas farmland outfitters website and their social media page and you're going to see some 200 plus inch deer i remember the first deer that i saw killed by him over monster mill that i was personally involved with mm-hmm. was that big non-typical deer yeah two 215 or 16 inches yeah official scored you know, so maybe 220, right around that 220 mark. I'm sorry, somewhere, yeah. somewhere in there. But yeah, it was, who cares? It was over 200. It's just man, giant it's, spaghetti. It is a, he's got one on the wall in the lodge. If you ever get there, yeah. It, so it's, it's crazy. And and that's not bragging on what we provided to these guys. This Steve provided all of that. It was just an opportunity that came together. I believe that it's a God thing. God really, you know, puts a, us, gives us a purpose in our life, and and lets us go through the pathways that we do, brings us through, carries us through and gives us those opportunities. This was just in keeping with that 46 storyline. This was one of those stories that you'll never forget, whether I was doing 46, whether I was involved with Monster Mill, whether everything, to to understand that, wow, there's a real cool opportunity for two well-deserved people here. Um, and then to have friends share that with them. 
um, it, it was a little tenuous. I mean, I literally flew out to Omaha because um, it was the first time that Brian and Quentin and Dell and Ben had ever met. You'd met Ben before, though, I think. I've never met Ben in person, no, unfortunately, but I've known him through friends. Yeah. Right. So, um, but anyhow, these guys are just like every person you know who careered in the military and gave that level of time um, and did overseas deployments. I want you to think about that. It's unique, and that's not to discredit people that are, um, you know, career or non-career veterans. Uh, volunteers, first responders, or anything else, but in in this unique situation, uh, they gave a huge chunk of their life, um, literally took away the ability to go do the things that they love to do when they wanted to do it just because they chose a pathway and a career. And they did some exceptional things when they were there, but anybody who gives that much of their time, because we're all given 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. You know, years is, is a little different thing. Think about how much your time is and think about your passion. Um, and then think about, you know, oh, man, how cool it would be to if, if you got the chance to do it. We all hear about people that work their whole life to retire, to be, you know, not able to take advantage of an opportunity. And, and I kind of look at it that way. You know, these guys work 20 years, you know, maybe they don't come home. I mean, that that's a real reality in, in what what they did but they put it on hold they lived their lives um they came back and they i've never met a more appreciative group of people to go out and have fun and have an opportunity than guys like these guys so it's it is so fun if you get the chance to take somebody who is enthusiastic about it on a hunting or fishing trip by god do it because it's one of the most fulfilling things that you can do if there's an old timer next to you who has a tough time getting out and you can take him fishing or you can take him hunting, please do it because it's one of the most rewarding things that you can get. Give back when you can. Well, that's, I, 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 don't, I hate to interrupt you, but I had this fresh in my head because I remember when we left, uh, I remember saying something like that to Quentin. Like, I've never, like, I just, I, I've gotten more out of it the last week, referencing back to even Dustin coming to sit in truth him during Iowa gun season, seeing him and helping him shoot his biggest year ever, being there, Using whitetail hunting to be able to help these guys reacclimate uh, after all they sacrificed for us, and just being able to, to use that as a mechanism—it it's a great way to give back. You know, like I can't speak for Quentin, put words in his mouth, but we might take whitetail hunting for granted, to be quite honest with you. Very, where we, where we live, true. what we have had successful-wise personally, uh, but it's like it was an eye-opening experience for me in that aspect, and. I know it was for Quentin, too, because we talked about it quite a bit on the way home, just how, wow, like, we really made an effect on these people. Yeah, we came in, we didn't know each other, we met each other, but we left with lifelong friends and, you know, memories nobody will ever be able to take from us, you know, so, through, through deer hunting. It's so crazy. That, like, going back to my expectations, I said, I don't know to start, well, you know, I really, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I'd never filmed for somebody like that. I'd never been involved in... You know, um, a hunt like that. So it it really was eye opening, and I I enjoyed you know learning that, feeling that uh, you know that excitement, and you know being able to be a part of that and sharing that with somebody. You know, it's, 
Oh, it was, it's it was an emotional deal. Like, it's not just emotional for the hunters. It was emotional on us because yeah. uh, being there in camp with the guys and, you know, all the stories and the bonding we had, you know, you, you got, you got, uh, it's like they almost admitted, you could like feel what they went through and how much it meant to them. So to see each have success, you know, it came in different ways, you know, right away and had a little bit more time in the stand, but to see them when they had the success and how much that that meant to them to be able to, you know, have that moment, it, it truly changed me and my outlook on things and yeah, like, like I said, stuff that we, we might take for granted has helped, you know, we can use to help change people's lives. And honestly, every time I've been involved with anything like this, I I walk away thinking that I got way more than any anything I ever could have possibly helped someone get. Um, oh, 100%. I, I am completely in agreement with that. So I would know, take that experience over shooting a 200-inch deer for myself any day of the week. Yeah. I can say that. Oh yeah, I can say that it's, without a bat of an eye. I feel the exact same way. And I, and I'll be perfectly honest in telling you that there have been times in my life where I don't think there was anything that I prioritized more than myself killing a big deer. And when I look back on after having some experiences that I wouldn't have had, um, and this being one of them. When I look back at the attitude that I had when there and how I really needed to restructure my attitude, um, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel a little, you know, you, you have a different view of yourself when you, yeah, when you, you almost, go through that. Like for me, it's like, oh, man, you almost feel selfish now looking back on, you know, there's all these other opportunities. All this time I'm spending in the stand myself trying to get big there, I can be helping change people's lives, you know. Right. And without turning this into a therapy session, it really, yeah, you know, I, that's <laughs> it's not what I'm uh, trying to do, but it, it really um, it struck it, home to me that yeah. much. That's just um, to know a deer hunt can do that. It's pretty so, special. Yeah, suffice it to know that these two well-deserving individuals reacclimating to what we've been doing all along, and and you know the passion that we have for this. Sometimes I think. I, especially me, people that know me know I love to hunt. I think about it constantly. I work in the industry. I transition careers in order to, because I'm the kind of guy that if I didn't try to, to do something, I would always regret it if I did it. I've been afforded the luxury to chase that career, uh, not because I'm a great person, not because I'm really smart or good looking or anything else, because none of that's true, but because... We live in a great country with, with people that are willing to give an awful lot to uh, do that. Um, but back to the 46 deer hunting story and, and how that really ties in here is, you know, think back all the memories that you've made. If, you, if you've been hunting, whether you've been hunting a year, 10 years, 50 years, think about all the memories that you made when you were hunting and the cumulative memories that you've made and the experiences that you had and the growth that occurred, you know, in young men and young women who you wind up, you grow, you learn social interaction skills, you learn safety skills, you learn personal responsibility. Um, and that's, that is the true trophy for me in hunting anymore. I'm almost 50 years old and it sounds, you know, all, you know, touchy feeling, nostalgic, whatever you want to do. And, and most of the people that know me are like, okay, that's, uh, you're not really touchy feeling, nostalgic kind of thing. But it really, opportunities like this are awesome to me because it really begins to anchor 
um, exactly what we're given in life and exactly what we're given with a North American conservation model that's built primarily around one animal that runs around on four legs, a little brown thing with antlers on it, and what the kind of, I mean, look at the cult mentality that whitetails have created. I mean, when I started hunting, I you know, I participated in my first legal bow hunt at age 14, 1984, um, where all I cared about was the opportunity to get out with a bow in my hands and hunt. There was no DVDs at that time. There was no, I, I, you know, VHS tapes were really fairly new. Um, nobody was really, and nobody thought you could make a living in this industry. It has really grown um, the level of support for products. And, and a lot of that is, you know, kind of talking to you guys. You guys are information guys. You're, you know, you are my social media management person. You understand everything and how people interact today there's way more information now and with that level of information whitetail 46 we just want it to be interesting stories about deer hunting and we want you to interact with us we want you to go to whitetail46.com um, we want you to go to our facebook page like our facebook page um, and tell us the stories of things we've got virginia dog hunters we've got big woods main trackers and some of the people are going to be industry people that some of you may have heard of some of you may have not heard of some of these guys you've i guarantee you've never heard of uh, because they're people that we've met along the way who have a very unique way to hunt and like telling their stories uh, because when it all comes down to it everything pivots around the fact that we chase these white-tailed deer around and the, it is a great success story for conservation. It is a great social experiment in deer hunting and the evolution of deer hunting. And at Whitetail 46, we really want to do that, this and tell these stories. So for our first stories, we, we've kind of primed the pump with you. If you want to see those hunts, if you want to see those guys, meet those guys, go to Above the Game TV and watch those episodes. I don't know when they're going to... Uh, officially be up on the page but it should be pretty shortly Um, by the time this podcast actually launches you'll be able to go there Um, secondarily we want to know what you want to hear we want to know the stories you want to hear i'm afforded the luxury of of digital communication and a lot of big network where if i want if 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 you cheeseheads want to hear about wisconsin deer hunting on an issue with wisconsin deer let me know. We've got contacts in Wisconsin. I, you know, um, Jeremy Reichers will be will be on this show. Most of you probably never heard of Jeremy. Jeremy is kind of a really quiet, big buck killing machine out of Wisconsin. There's a lot of great deer hunters that come out of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, Florida. We've got Florida guys. We've got Alabama guys, Tennessee people, Texas. Um, we're going to have a bunch of different podcasts about Texas because Texas is like his own country. Um, but today we want to introduce you that story about, uh, think about what deer hunting means to you. Think about what it would mean to you if you had to put your deer hunting passion for whatever reason, whether it be because you gave service, whether you had to take care of a parent or a child, whether it was a physical ailment that precluded you from participating, anything else. You personally, if you had to give up 20 years of your deer hunting career, what would that mean to you? 
Welcome to Whitetail 46. Thanks for joining us today. Check everything out that you can. Check out the people that we're associated with. We really don't have sponsors. We don't want sponsors. We just want to tell the story of American deer hunting. Thank you for listening on Whitetail 46. To get the full Whitetail 46 experience with videos, blogs, and more, go to whitetail46.com. Follow our podcast by subscribing to Sportsman's Nation on your favorite app store.